There's a draft lottery coming. It's an exciting night, y'all. We are exactly one hour away from the 2021 draft lottery. I am so excited. The Hornets are getting the number one pick confirmed. I'm predicting it right now. Uh, they are absolutely getting that first pick and possibly the weakest draft in the history of the NBA. Let's go, Hornets! Uh, but seriously, I really don't know how excited I would even be if they get a higher draft pick just because I really don't see this draft class as anything special. I mean, I might be proven wrong, but who knows? It's always so hard to tell, especially with COVID and how these players are playing. Who really knows what's how it's going to shake out? It's looking like the Hornets are going to want to draft a small forward or a center doesn't look like there's that many prospects that are available that are worth drafting. So if they get the 11th pick, that's great. If they don't and they get a higher pick, that's going to be better. But, I mean, I would love if they would just trade that pick to another team and just move on. Maybe even trade it to get a center. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But I could definitely see them making a move on draft night to get the heck out of those top 14 picks. Because I don't really know who they would draft. They've been mocked for a couple of different small forwards, possibly. Or maybe another guard, which I don't know where the heck they're going to put them at. We have so many freaking guards on this team. We really don't need another one. But Devontae's contract's running out. Rozier's contract is running out. Um, Monk, his contract is up for re-sign. And he kind of faded as LaMelo was out. So they've got a lot of question marks there. So... It really could be anything. I don't know. So let's get into it. This is the Queen City Spot Sports Pod. It brought to you by Wes Taylor. That is my name. Don't wear it out. We don't have any sponsorships yet, but if you want to sponsor us, let me know at queencitysportspod at gmail.com. Uh, but so let's talk about some possible center trades here. So the Hornets, their weakest spot all season was the center position. They didn't get any production out of it offensively or defensively, really. When you have Cody Zeller hurt and it hurts your team, then you know you're desperate because Cody Zeller is already not a viable option as far as defense or offense goes. There was times in which he did very well on defense, especially. He had trouble finishing around the rim. He had trouble scoring. He even had trouble staying healthy like a lot of people did especially a lot of centers. We'll get into that too. But the thing about Cody Zeller is Cody Zeller has been Cody Zeller since day one. When you draft Cody Zeller, you knew what you were going to get. You knew what the ceiling was. You knew what the floor was. On a scale of one to 10, one being the floor, 10 being the ceiling, you knew Cody Zeller was a four. He came into the league at a three. You knew he was going to get to a four and you knew that's what it was going to be. The Hornets picked him because they wanted to be safe. They didn't want somebody with a high floor, high ceiling, or low floor, high ceiling type of prospect. They wanted someone who was a sure thing. That's why they picked him. That's why they picked Frank Kaminsky, and they got exactly what they thought they were going to get when they drafted those two players. We've gotten rid of Frank. Now it's time to get rid of Cody. Cody's had a good run. It's fine. You know, he for how much we're paying him, for what he is, if he wants to stay on as a backup, re-sign for some lower cash. It's really not that big of a deal, but you can't have Cody Zeller as your starting center and have a good time in the t today's NBA. He's also just, he doesn't guard well around the perimeter. He's extremely limited. He would be a great backup, perfect backup, but if he's your starter, you're in trouble. And I think that Biz has got to be gone. 
I mean, we're only paying him like $2 million anyway. So it's, I know a lot of people get mad at biz or he seems like a dummy on the floor and he has his moments for sure, but it's also only getting like 2 million bucks. So you can't expect that much out of him. That's like, you can't get mad at players who aren't making any money or whose purpose is to be a backup who only plays 10 to 12 minutes a game. Bismack was not ever meant to be a starter. He was not ever meant to get extended minutes like he got thrown into. Um, when Cody got hurt, Biz was playing like 35 minutes a game. That was never supposed to be what he was doing. He's only getting paid two, three million dollars a year. So you can't really get mad at him for that. It's not his fault. They paid him for what he was worth, and he played what he was worth, and he was he he played what he was getting paid. So you can't really fault a guy for that. He's not a starting center in the NBA. That's just not something. He's a good mentor, and he had a great presence in the locker room. He and LaMelo bonded a lot throughout the season from all accounts and all media members. So that part paid off. But as far as talent goes, it's in skill level. Biz can't be your starting center. Cody can't be your starting center. We need a center. So they've been looking at the front office for the Hornets. has been looking at quite a few different options here they've been linked to probably every center in the game i mean i've seen trade proposals for rudy gobert i've seen trade proposals for miles turner montrez harrell christophus porzingis to be um, the most common one probably and i've also seen him for james wiseman like it's been all over the place Uh, so i'm gonna present kind of the three most likely scenarios today and what they might have to trade to get them. Uh, But this is by no means, I have no insider information. This is all just my opinion. Please don't take this to the bank. I really have no idea what the Hornets are looking at. So these are just my, what I've been reading on the rumor boards and in the news outlets and everything. So first obvious, Christapis Porzingis, or is that how you say his first name? I don't freaking know. The Unicorn. So we got his big-ass contract and his big-ass shoes, 7'3", boy. And uh, everybody is very torn about Porzingis. Most people, I feel like, around the biz don't want him. It's just too much. Uh, He's injury-prone. He's got a fat contract. Speaking of fat contracts, he is making – he's set to make about $31 million next year. So he – to put it in perspective, he and Hayward are set to make about the same amount of money next year. So any deal that brought in Porzingis, we would have to offload some serious salary or it would pretty much just take up our entire cap space to get Porzingis. So it really depends on what you want. If you want that star power, if you want that name appeal, if you want Porzingis's offensive abilities and his potential, that's the big thing you're buying here. This is kind of like a future stock. Then, you know, if that's what you want to do, make a big splash, get another big name in Charlotte. For a quote-unquote small market team like Charlotte, you know you have to pay those premiums. You have to pay that $30 million to a Gordon Hayward to get him to come. And I know a lot of people in Charlotte don't like to hear it, but Charlotte is a small market in the sense that we don't have a whole lot of fan support. If you ever go to a Hornets game, I don't think I've ever been to a sold-out Hornets game. It's kind of that inverse relationship, like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first, the support or the winning? You know, the Hornets have never even been to an Eastern Conference Finals, I'm pretty sure. So it's hard for fans to support them. And also the ownership 
has been absolute garbage. So that has always been a thing. And the whole Bobcats debacle and um, that owner and all the controversy that came with them. So it's always been hard for this community to support the Hornets. But with the current brass in there, I think with Michael Jordan being North Carolina boy and also UNC, from UNC and also his history, I think that a lot of people can support that. Now, as an owner, he sucked, period. He hasn't figured out figured it out at all. But I think that we're on the right track. The new GM we have, very good. Borrego, I'm not sold on yet, but better than Clifford, I will say. We'll see about Borrego. I think it might be one of those things where, like with when MJ was at the Bulls, once they got their star player in, after a couple years, they switched up the coach and had some success. I think that might be where we're headed, but we'll see. But with Porzingis, your averages here, you get 20 points a game, basically it's 20.1, 8.9 rebounds, 1.6 assists. I mean, who cares about assists for a center, but, and then player efficiency rating at 21.4 and win shares of 4.3. So he's got good statistics. That's never been the gripe about him. The gripe is he only played 43 games out of possible 70. He hasn't played more than 80% of the season since 2016-17. And he has a fat contract. So they're going to have to offload a lot of money to be able to get him or like take up all their cap space. So it's really just dependent on if you want to do that to be able to get Porzingis. And also to pull Porzingis away from the Mavs, it might not cost as much as you think, maybe. I mean, I don't know, but... It seems like Porzingis and Luca, as much as they don't want to admit it, are having problems. There's trouble in paradise. They don't mesh well. You thought maybe two Europeans on the same team. I don't know. It's kind of like putting two women in the same room and expecting them to be friends. You know, you just assume since they're the only two girls that they're going to be friends. And then now that everyone's expecting it, they kind of out of spite don't want to make it happen and they just don't get along. I think that's kind of what happened here with two Europeans. Everyone expected them like, oh, they're two Europeans. Like they're going to get along. And that's just not fair. And they just do not. It doesn't seem like. Obviously, we're not in the locker room with them, but certainly would seem that way. And with Porzingis coming to the Hornets, it would probably cost them. I would say they would have to either maybe it was Hayward for Porzingis straight up. That could be a very interesting trade. You've got one injury-prone guy who can't play a whole season and another injury-prone guy who can't play a whole season and a $30 million contract and a $30 million contract and switch them up. I mean, that's kind of where the comparisons die for the most part. Their stats are – I mean, they both get similar points, but other than that, um, they're not even in the same position. It's really just about star power and contract and injury history. They have those big three things in common. So if you're going to make that trade – that's what it would look like. I mean, that might sound outrageous. It might not. I don't know. These are just things that I think about. Um, if you don't, if you didn't want to pay or trade Hayward, you might eat Porzingis' contract and then trade draft picks. Possibly, maybe PJ Washington goes in a trade. I mean, he's young. He's looked good at times and also kind of not great at times. It's kind of PJ could go either way at this point in his career. So, I mean, maybe PJ is somebody that you offer up or Rozier. I mean, really anyone could be on the trading block, but I think that Rozier and PJ are kind of the pieces that are looked at most as being available for trades because they have the highest value 
along with um, what people would want on their teams because the other team has to want the trade. You, that's what a lot of people don't understand. They're like, no, I would never want to trade Hayward, but you got to give up something to get something. You're not just going to fleece people in a trade unless they're the Houston Texans, but they don't run an NBA franchise, unfortunately. So Porzingis, uh, I think that's a very long shot. I'd say less than 10% chance. And then you have Montrez Harrell. So this one is quite interesting because we actually wanted to get Montrez Harrell in a Hornets uniform back before this season even started. And he actually um, chose the exact, actually, I think he chose less money or the exact same contract. I can't remember which to stay in LA. So he went from the Clippers to the Lakers and I'm pretty sure he took less money to do that because he didn't want to come to Charlotte. So that's already one knock against the guy. He does not want to play for the Hornets. That's kind of a big thing. Um, But he is uber efficient, like so efficient. 13 points, six rebounds, uh, 22 to 23 PER player efficiency rating. And his win shares are at 7.3, which is higher than LeBron. So, I mean, the dude is just – he reeks of efficiency i mean the stats the advanced stats especially love this guy so i mean montrez harrell seems like a slam dunk on the surface but if you really think about it montrez he's still kind of young i mean all these players that i'm gonna mention are around the same age like that i don't i don't remember exactly how old montrez harrell is it's gonna bother me now i'm gonna look it up but i'm saying he's probably 27 let's see yeah, 27. So Montrez Harrell is 27 years old. So he's still got a few good years left for sure, unless he's like a mutant like LeBron and he's got 15 good years left, but beside the point. Six rebounds, I already said that. But yeah, $9 million a year, so a lot cheaper than Porzingis. And we can get Montrez without even doing anything. I mean, he already seems like he wants out of L.A. He's talking crap about him on Twitter, uh, but... That's also the same kind of guy that maybe you wouldn't want on your team who instantly goes to Twitter to start blaming people when they lose. That's a red flag for me. You know, if they talk crap about one friend, they're probably talking about you behind your back too. So, and he also gets eaten up like Kobayashi on the pick and roll. It's embarrassing sometimes the pick and roll defense from this guy. I mean, the Trailblazers, one game in particular, there's a whole article about it. Him just getting eaten up by Damian Lillard and um, the center from the Blazers. I can't even remember his name. Big old white dude. He They just ate him up time after time after time after time. And then finally Vogel had to take him out of the game. So, I mean, if that's what you want, you're really sacrificing some defense there. And also, Harold comes off the bench. So he plays against bench players. He averages probably 22 minutes a game on average. I mean, the highest number of minutes he's averaged in his career was one season he averaged like 26, 28, and then another season like 24, and then other than that, it's been bench minutes, like six-man minutes, but still bench minutes. He's been playing against bench players, so he's been getting these stats against bench players and being this efficient because of his lower usage rate. If you get him up to a higher usage rate, like starter minutes, like 32, 34 minutes, his efficiency is bound to go down, and he's also a liability on defense, and we've already seen the Hornets get – fleeced on defense. They're the worst three-point defending team 
in the NBA for a big part of the season. They might have finished it that way too, but giving up 130, 140 points a night. So I don't know if you want to add a worse defender to your team. And we'll see. But Montrez Harrell could go either way. I mean, you know, uh, I'd say there's probably a 20, 25% chance they trade for Montrez. What it would take to get Montrez Harrell, I think maybe you go Rosier for Harrell straight up. I don't know. Maybe that's too much. Maybe Rosier for Harrell in a second. Maybe something like that. I could see that. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I'm not a GM. And I obviously, I mean, I'm honestly not that great at trades, but it's going to take a little something to get Harrell, I think. And we don't really have any post players. I mean, maybe it's Washington for Harrell straight up. Washington is much younger. I think PJ might be 22, 23. So he's got a whole contract before Harrell. So maybe they want that youth and that offensive output if you want to get a center. Uh, maybe that's even too much. I don't know. And then lastly, maybe in my opinion, the most likely option, you have Miles Turner So from the Pacers. Miles is a defensive first player, uh, 12.6 points, 6.5 rebounds. Efficiency rating is average win shares 3.3 so a little touch above average um and um, just overall he's a better defender than the other two players Porzingis and Harrell both offensive first centers uh, but Miles Turner is defense blocking or blocks he will kind of wall off that paint for you uh, but he also has some injury history I mean he tore his tore a tendon in his foot to end his season last year. So he's coming off of an injury and a foot injury at that. So if you have issues with injury history, Porzingis also was injured just, I mean, uh, Miles Turner's injured just like Porzingis. So he's coming off a foot injury and big guys with foot injuries just do not mesh well in the NBA. I mean, you rarely ever hear of a, you know, a big guy with a foot injury being like, Oh, completely cut recovered. Never had an issue again. That's a lingering type of thing. I mean, a tendon, it's a little bit different than these like stress fractures you see or like the Yao Ming type of injuries where they're just too big for their body. But I mean, that's still alarming if you're worried about that. And also he is owed $18 million. So that's still a lot of money to be paying a center who's A, coming off injury history. B, is averaging about the... Same, if not less than what Montrez Harrell was averaging. And Montrez Harrell's coming off the bench right now. So, I mean, there's no perfect solution. You're not going to... The kind of center that this fan base would want is not the one that you would be able to trade for unless you're giving up something valuable. If you're trying to get a rena center, like what we're trying to do right now, then these are the types of options that you have. You're not going to get somebody who is... Perfect on offense, no injury history, great on defense, you know? It's like you have great on defense, great on offense, not injury prone. Pick two. That's basically what it's looking like right now. So it's going to be a little bit of give and take. And we'll see what it would even take to trade for a player like this. I think that PJ is, there's potential for him to be traded. I haven't really heard that. That's just that's just my gut. I don't know. So don't take that one to the bank either. That's me just talking out of my ass. But... Uh, I think Terry's on the trading block in their minds. 
Um, Devontae, too. I mean, you have too many guards on this team, especially with the rise of LaMelo, if he continues to cement himself. We'll see, because with Monk, Monk, Rozier, Devontae, and LaMelo, it's going to be hard to keep all of them. But we'll see. Um, And let's talk about the Panthers. So there's been a lot of different stuff going on with the Panthers, with minicamp, and um, people maybe not arriving to minicamp when they're supposed to, and worries about that. You've got the big question mark with Sam Darnold, and you've got the receiving group coming back is really the only solidified group on offense. And then on defense, you have a lot of young guys coming off a good season coming back too. But so far, what we're seeing from minicamp is Sam Darnold is basically who we thought he was. He was having a lot of trouble the first couple of days from reports at least. And now he's kind of settled in. I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, Sam Darnold's really just a huge question mark. He and Carson Wentz kind of have the most to prove right now. But the thing about Sam Darnold is he's uber young. So if this gamble pays off for the Panthers, they'll be set. They'll have their franchise quarterback. But I just don't see any world in which he is a franchise quarterback. I haven't been impressed at all with his playmaking abilities, with his decision-making abilities. I mean, he seems like a nice kid, and he has had some bad luck. I mean, anyone who gets drafted by the Jets is automatic career setback. But... He had mono, and he didn't do himself any favors either with that offensive line and everything that was going on in the Jets with Adam is Adam Gase. And um, then he lost Robbie to us, and he really didn't have much of a receiving core. But now that he comes to the Panthers with a good receiving core, what's supposed to be a good running back group, but is a huge question mark. I mean, McCaffrey, you have... He was out most of last season. He only played like three or four games. And also, it's even more alarming, it was different injuries. I mean, he had the, the was it a foot thing or a leg thing? And then he had his shoulder, or maybe it was ankle. And he had his shoulder that got injured. So you're seeing two completely different unrelated injuries. That's alarming. And then you got Chuba Hubbard, who, you know, fourth, fifth, or late round pick. And your total question mark, he's had some injury history, and he sat out for a little bit at Oklahoma State. So we'll see what goes with that. Might be undersized, might be too slow. Uh, Might only be a third down running back. If McCaffrey gets hurt this year, I don't know who's going to be doing it because our running back crew is just those two right now. And they just... I just don't know. It should be an exclamation mark, but right now it's a question mark. And then the biggest freaking question mark on the team still, many camp has not cleared this up at all, and it will not clear this up at all, is the offensive line. I mean, you have Taylor Moten definitely going to be on the line, really, the only solidified spot. And then you have Irving, possibly. And then you have some question marks. You have the rookie and um, from BYU. His name escapes me right now, but you can look it up later. But it really is just going to depend. Who freaking knows? And we have a less mobile quarterback than we did last year, so we might be looking at even more sacks. And Sam Darnold might be seeing freaking ghosts again. But, I mean, I guess it's not fair to say Sam Darnold's less mobile than Teddy because Sam did have some great runs. I mean, there was that one run, maybe it was against the Dolphins or somebody, where he literally ran it like 40 yards through like three dudes and he fake slid and kept going and he scored. That was pretty awesome play. 
but um, for every one of those, there's five others of him seeing ghosts and throwing back across his body. So we'll see. And then on the flip side of that, you have the defense where they gave up a lot of yards last year, gave up some points, got a lot of turnovers, and also gave up a lot of touchdowns, gave up a lot of big plays, but got a lot of big plays. It is basically a big old gambling defense. So we'll see what happens with that. They're still very young. Just got Horn, the cornerback. Um, they've got Chen coming back, Derek Brown. I mean, Hassan Reddick. It really could be a beastly defense. But I think they're going to be more of a fantasy defense. I think, And what I mean by that is I think that they're going to get a lot of fantasy points but I don't think that they're going to equate necessarily to a stout, great, real defense. Like, I think they're going to get a lot of turnovers. I think they're going to get a lot of touchdowns. I think they're going to get a lot of those big plays, but I also think they're going to give up a lot of yards. I think they're going to give up those big plays. And I think that part of that is because of the offense. A lot of people don't realize that the better your offense is, the better your defense can be because the better your field position is. If you have a good offense, they drive the ball down the field and it, even if they have to punt, the field gets longer for the other team. If you have a bad defense, he's making a lot of turnovers. It doesn't take any chances and gives up three and outs all the time, Teddy. Then the other team gets good field position and the defense has a shorter field to defend. So if the offense improves this year, then the defense will follow, I think. Um, but it also might go the other way around. The argument could be made, be made the same way. Uh, if the defense improves and the defense stops people and gets them off the field on third down, then maybe the offense improves because they have a shorter field. So it kind of works both ways. We'll see what happens. But with this receiving core, I think that Sam Darnold, if he, if we can find even just a couple of seconds for Sam Darnold to throw the dang ball, or if his running backs are able to support him, that I think he will be successful. Or at least he won't have any excuse to not be successful. Because if this doesn't work out, we could be looking at our third QB in three years. Uh, but that's one thing I like about this these um, this front office is that they make decisions quickly. You know, it was clear Teddy wasn't going to work out. We should have never got him in the first place. But it was very clear that Teddy was not going to be the quarterback of the future, and that was very uh, uh, that was very obvious when he got traded for a six round pick. But Neither here nor there. So I don't really know what's going to happen with this defense. It's very unpredictable. There's not really much going on in training camp right now. I mean, you've got all the clickbait articles of them being ready to work or the offensive line is a problem. Let's see what this one says. They have an exciting secondary. I mean, yeah, they do, but we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of question marks too. I mean, they brought HaHa Clinton Dixon for a workout, so that – to me, says that they don't really know what their cornerbacks are going to look like, what their secondary is going to look like. But at least we got rid of freaking dreadlocks. What's his name? Not Travis Benjamin. He always reminds me of the defensive version of Travis Benjamin. <laughs> oh, man. Trey Boston. We got rid of Trey Boston. So anything is possible, people. So I do not doubt in my mind that we will be improved defense over last year, and we will be very opportunistic. I'm hoping we go a little bit of bend, don't break style, like uh, the old Bucks teams where they get down to the 20 and then commit a turnover and we stop them for a field goal. I'd be fine with that. This offense has the opportunity and the talent to put up a lot of points. 
I think that we could really, really, really put up a lot of points as long as our offensive line, like if they're as strong as duct tape, will be good. Just anything duct tape or above. If they're like scotch tape, mask tape, we're screwed. If they are a brick wall, that would be amazing. If only we had like the Colts offensive line. Why don't we ever draft offensive linemen? Oh my God. We used to have good offensive lines too, but whatever. So not a lot going on in Panthers training camp right now. Just a lot of question marks and a lot of different things going on. Um, uh, Robbie showed up on time. That was never really any doubt. I think that the media was just portraying that as in question mark just to kind of get some clicks in a boring, lazy off season. So we'll see. There's plenty of action on the draft. And then when actual camp comes up, there'll be some more things coming through. I really wish that they would do hard knocks. I think this will be a perfect season for Panthers hard knocks. A lot of new staff. A lot of new players, a lot of excitement, a lot of potential. This whole season is just real big potential and question marks. It could go great. It could go horribly. So it's pretty much like every other Panther season in the last five years. So, And we know which way those went. So we'll see. But I'm excited either way. I think that anything's an improvement over Teddy. Because with Teddy, you knew what you had. You knew that you didn't have a great quarterback. With Sam, you might not have a great quarterback, or you might. He's very young, very impressionable. He can improve. There's time. We could have a Ryan Tannehill 2.0. That would be perfect. Best case scenario, Ryan Tannehill 2.0. I would love that. That would be awesome. But that's all I got for you today, y'all. Uh, y'all have a great day. This is the Queen City Sports Pod. My name is Wes Taylor. I'll talk to y'all later.